Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers nearly a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. The new year is here, which means it's time to start new habits and make those yearly resolutions. Mine this year was to get healthier and improve my quality of life, which is why I want to talk to you guys about Noom. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all and don't take into account each person's individual needs, which in turn doesn't really set you up for success. Those workout plans you pull from the internet don't think about your individual dietary restrictions, medical issues, or other personal needs. Noom does all of that before building a tailor-made plan that works for you and your lifestyle. It doesn't try to restrict what you eat and never shames you for wanting to treat yourself. And unlike before, I feel the motivation I need to succeed and none of the frustration that came with other plans. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy wherever books are sold. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. 
As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. When two people meet, sparks fly. But what if those sparks ignite a horrific fire within those two people, causing them to commit a heinous crime? On June 14, 1983, two young girls who had just met took their spark and used it to brutally take the life of an innocent woman offering them kindness. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. 14-year-old Shirley Wolfe and 15-year-old Cindy Collier met on June 13, 1983, and together decided that they needed to get out of their small California town. And the best way to do that was to steal a car and murder its owner. It's not totally clear why this drastic plan was their only option, but the very next day, June 14th, the pair went to an Auburn, California condominium and began knocking on doors. They asked for things like glasses of water or a phone to use to call parents. But something about their demeanor sent warning signals and most of the elderly residents came up with excuses, closed the doors, or even locked them and ignored the knocks altogether. One man, 70-year-old Joe Becker, later told investigators that he had let them inside. But for whatever reason, the girls changed their mind and left him and his wife alone. But his wife felt so uncomfortable with their presence that she immediately washed the glasses that they used and wiped down the phone with alcohol. The girls were clearly looking for the perfect target, and when 85-year-old Anna Brackett opened the door and kindly let them inside, silently agree that they had found her. Anna, who lived alone in a two-bedroom condo, spent an hour chatting with the girls, who would later claim they knew they were going to kill her the moment they saw her. The phone rang and Mrs. Brackett excused herself. Her son was calling to say he would drive her to her bingo game and the teens decided it was time to act. As soon as she hung up the phone, Shirley grabbed the elderly woman by the throat and threw her to the ground, while Cindy raced to the kitchen to grab a butcher knife, tossing it to Shirley. In her own words, Shirley, quote, stabbed and stabbed and stabbed her in the neck because if she lived, she would know who we are and report us. According to the girls, Anna begged for her life, but the more she begged, the more violent they got. Shirley knew the woman was dead when blood began pouring from her mouth. The pair then ransacked the condo for any money they could find and grabbed the keys to Anna's 1970 Dodge. They then ripped the phones from the walls and went out to the car. Unfortunately for them, the keys they grabbed wouldn't start the car. So with their entire plan now completely foiled, the girls fled on foot towards Highway 49. In a tragic twist, the girls were seen walking along the highway by 52-year-old Carl Brackett, Anna's son who was coming to pick her up. When he spotted them, he said to his wife, They're stupid. Two young girls like that hitchhiking? Or else they're tough. He had no idea that his mother was lying on her floor with blood pooling around her and that those tough girls were the ones responsible. Moments later, he discovered his mother's body riddled with 28 stab wounds and called the police. 
Both Carl and the police never imagined that two teenage girls committed such a horrible crime. And at first, assumed it may have been an escaped patient from a nearby mental facility. But a quick chat with the neighbors offered them more than enough information on the two girls who gave everyone the creeps, and some even remembered Cindy Collier from when she lived there with her grandmother. The police were still skeptical, but they decided to continue continue the investigation with Cindy as their main suspect. Searching her home around 2.30 a.m., police found the pair of girls peacefully sleeping in Cindy's bed, almost as if they didn't just brutally murder an innocent stranger. They were awoken, and despite the officer's doubts, Shirley very quickly confessed to the murder. In a tape-recorded confession, Shirley laughed and said the girls didn't feel any badness about what they did. In fact, they planned on taking another victim, quote, just for fun. Her diary, which was later taken into evidence, had an entry from the night of the murder that read, Cindy and I ran away and killed an old lady. It was lots of fun. The girls were arrested and charged with first-degree murder. However, because of their age, their charges would be that of a juvenile and not an adult. Shirley's attorneys entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity after a psychiatric evaluation showed complete lack of remorse and determined that the killings were a symbolic one, where she felt as though she was actually killing the mother and father she hated. That the Brooklyn-born girl was sexually abused from infancy by a father who was supposed to protect her, as well as her grandfather and uncle, and that her disruptive behavior started as early as kindergarten. But no matter how many suggested she get psychiatric help, the recommendation, her issues, and Shirley herself were completely ignored. When she was older, her father was finally made to serve time for his abuse. But after just 100 days in jail, he came home. And because he was a sex offender, Shirley got sent to a foster home. Her attorneys finished this plea and made it clear that in his opinion, and in the opinions of many, Shirley never really had a chance. Then there was Cindy. Cindy, who was known for her anger from a young age and who earned the reputation as assaultive in the juvenile hall she spent time in and out of since she was 12 years old. A girl with a criminal record that included burglary, theft, assault, and drug use, and was so familiar with the arrest process that when she was arrested for Anna's murder, she recited her Miranda warning as if she had rehearsed it for a school play. No one wanted to mess with Cindy. But when she met Shirley while visiting a friend in a Sacramento group home, she felt she found a twin flame. They both came from broken homes, both been raped by trusted family members, both treated with a hands-off approach that left them unchecked and unpunished, and most of all, they were both filled with anger. At the end of their trial, both girls were found guilty of first-degree murder, with Cindy being sentenced to the maximum for minors and Shirley being told she would have to go through a second phase of trial to determine the insanity issues. She, too, was convicted of first-degree murder. Both girls wound up in youth facilities, Cindy until 1992 when she was 27, and Shirley until 1995. While behind bars, Shirley continued to get into trouble, once crashing a fire truck into a prison fence to assault three officers at Ventura County Jail but eventually turned her life around and began helping victims of child abuse after her release. Cindy obtained a junior college degree in law at the California Youth Authority and continues her life in relative anonymity with her four children. 
Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on June 15th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.